CavsCorner.com podcast. CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin Estates in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, uh, October the 4th. We have made it uh, into the month of October, uh, which should mean uh, chillier temperatures, leaves that I have to clean up, um, sinus headaches and whatnot from allergies, but also... More football. Uh, the Cavaliers coming off of their bye week. They will host Duke on Saturday afternoon on a uh, in a game that will kick off at twelve twenty p.m. and be televised by the ACC Network. Um, so please don't start a thread asking. I know it's already up there though. My <laughs> one channel it's on. Um, let's see. Uh, we have we have some stuff to talk about, right? So Virginia's obviously got a you know their ACC opener uh, this weekend. Going to be an interesting matchup with the Blue Devils, and we're certainly going to get into the thick of that. Um, we'll see what else we get into. Depending on how that goes, I, I'm not making any promises about anything. Uh, but before we do that, let's go around and introduce everybody. Up in Fishersville, David Spence is on the show. How you doing, buddy? Doing great, Brad. Thanks for asking. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter? And uh, up in Arlington, we also have staff writer Justin Ferber on the show. How you doing, my friend? Not too bad. Not too bad. How are you? I, I'm I'm good. Okay, cool. Um, at Justin <laughs> underscore Ferber on Twitter. I mean, nobody. No, if I don't ask, nobody else is going to ask. That's yeah. true. Nobody, no one's nobody, ever known how you were, Brad. That's true. Nobody cares. Um, uh, Cavs quarter also on Twitter. Cavs underscore corner. Great place for in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. So, yeah, nobody really ever, you know, nobody ever asked me. Well, no, I mean, I, I guess if, we, if there was something wrong with you, you, we would know. That's true. Be like, yeah, Brad. Brad got run over by a truck. He'd be like, let um, me tell you. Let me, let me tell y'all a story. Um. Oh man, I wish I had a like a soundboard where I could drop the the. Never mind. Anyway, um, I, I think it's funny that we always have this like sort of awkward beginning to the show. We we've done two hundred of these things and we still don't know yet how we're supposed to start it. My part I've got pretty much down. It's whenever I inter- introduce you two knuckleheads that like the everything just the, the whole thing falls off the rails and like sometimes Dave says uh, thanks for asking and sometimes he does and then Ferber ends up with like some random. Um, limerick uh, that he comes. Do you come up with that stuff beforehand, or is it literally just as you start to speak, it just comes out? Yeah, it just diary of the. It mouth, just happens. Dude. Yeah, <laughs> which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, okay, so Virginia Saturday afternoon, Duke comes to town in a series that Virginia used to dominate, that then Duke started to dominate, and now the Cavaliers have won two in a row. Um, I think we all talked about um, before Miami played. Duke on Friday night we all talked about the line you know what do we expect what do we expect and I think I said Duke minus three even and so then we watched Duke get get blasted pretty much and then the line came out Duke minus two and a half and then like how long was it Dave before that thing was Virginia minus two and a half like uh, hours two hours yeah I mean pretty quick. I'm gonna need somebody who is into uh, and I'm guessing that is one of you guys because it, it sure as crap ain't me. Uh, I'm going to need y'all to explain to myself as well as the good people who listen to our podcast what the heck that actually means. Because if it, if it, what it looks like to me is that too many people started taking UVA basically, and they had to keep, they had to basically kick it the other way. What? How often does that happen? Because I don't think that happens very often where it swings like that in such a short amount of time. It'll happen. Um... It, the amount of points sometimes is what, you know, that was, that's what makes it surprising is if there's a big number swing. Like a, like a line, I'll just pick two NFL teams. Like, let's say the Jets are playing the Browns, which I think they are this week, actually. Um, you know, the Browns are home, so they open as like a three-point favorite, but everybody likes the Jets, so the line moves towards a pick 'em, 
And then if too much money comes in on the Jets, it'll have to kick the other way because they want the even amount of money on both sides. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. It does have. I mean, I was looking just looking at the games on the book for the ACC this week um, that are similar spread wise to where we are now. Syracuse and Pitt. Uh, Syracuse opened a three and a half point favorite. It's still three and a half. Uh, NC State opened a three and a half point underdog to Louisville. It's still three and a half. Um, Duke and Virginia, and then Miami and Florida State. It opened looks like four. Um, no, it opened three and a half Miami, and it's still three and a half Miami. So no other spread in the ACC this week that was small like that flipped. So that means a lot of money came in on Virginia. But I mean, it kind of makes sense. You think two teams that are probably viewed as evenly matched, um, you get to take the home team and get points. I can see people throwing a lot of money at that early on. Um, that's probably why it hasn't flipped back because now you have to, you know, now you have to take the away team so you lose some of that advantage. Yeah, right. I mean, people, when they see home underdogs, they're going to jump on it, especially like the unnuanced gambler is going to look at the records and say, like, why would I take Duke if I'm giving points on the road and they both have one loss and UVA beat Boise yeah. State by 20? Um, like there, it, so yeah, I mean, and then obviously people that bet a lot of money are going to throw money on UVA cause it's a home underdog, um, with a decent record. So that's pretty common. Sometimes like Dave said, it'll just sit where it is. Sometimes it'll violently swing after it opens cause it just was way off. And then other times it'll be like kind of like a, an adjustment, you know, like where you're like adjusting a thermostat and you just have to find like the medium. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it, it means that, you know, it doesn't mean anything for the result of the game. It just means someone with a lot of money put a lot of money on Virginia. Um, and it, it doesn't mean they're necessarily confident in Virginia. It's just a value pick for them. Well, what's fascinating to me, too, is my own personal sort of journey in this with this game. So in the preseason, when we did our podcast, I, I don't know if I came out and said that I didn't think Duke was going to be any good. Um, as, I, as I'm scanning my brain at the moment, I, I feel like I, I'm looking at the, the where I picked the game. Um, so my guess is, is that cause I had Virginia winning by 10 that I didn't think Duke was gonna be very good. Then the season started. I'm like, Oh man, Duke's pretty good. And then all of a sudden they get pummeled on Friday night basically. And I'm like, Oh man, Duke's not very good. So like I have gone back and forth, uh, on this thing. And so it's funny to me that the, the line did that because I've been having my own like internal, uh, sort of struggle with it. Um, I think as I started to, to sort of think about this game after watching that Miami game on Friday night. What occurred to me, what I guess the thing that, that really stands out to me is is the trenches, right? And how I think uh, I think Broncos said it after the Boise State game that, that the game was going to be won um, in the trenches, essentially that that it was going to be it was going to be a tough game, and I almost wonder if some of that stuff is going to be sort of the I don't know explanation or the the way that, that that this one is framed because I can't decide which is the bigger matchup Virginia's offensive line against what I think is one of the best um, and the numbers sort of bear this out defensive line in the, in the conference or if it's Virginia's front uh, against Duke's um, offensive line and the and the run pass option stuff now I understand that what I did basically is just break down the entire game but I'm talking about in terms of matchups like I'm not I, I I'm not really worried about you know, like DBs against Daniel Jones. I'm not really worried about how many yards Virginia runs for. Um, what I'm worried about most is the amount of chaos the the Blue Devils cause in Virginia's backfield, what that means for the Virginia offense in general. We've seen Kurt Benkert play 
really, really well when he's got a clean pocket. Virginia, one of the team, one of the best teams in the country in terms of uh, turnover margin. I mean, they have what one by this point. My, uh, Alabama has none. Um, so to me, like that is a huge matchup. But I'm, I'm I, I can't tell in my own my own heart of hearts if like if I think that one is bigger than Virginia's front because we know they're going to go without Malcolm Cook. They're going to go like some weird sort of um, uh, exotic kind of deal. And I'm, I'm really interested to see sort of how Duke prepares for that. How, what are to you guys, what are the, um, the biggest uh, sort of matchups um, for you? Or do you, are you kind of where I am on, on the two battle in the battles in the trenches or are there other things that you're looking for specifically from this game? Dave, we'll start with you. Yeah. I mean, I think Duke is really good on both lines. Um, I don't know that. I mean, Boise would be the Boise or Indiana. Duke's better than both of them, at least on the defensive line, and I think probably on the offensive line as well. Um, I don't know that you can say one is more important than the other because you're not going to win a game if you, you know, it's going to be hard to win the game if you if you don't do well on both sides of the ball. I, I agree with you. Like Kurt's had success the past two weeks, especially because the pocket's been clean. But you know, and that's because the offensive line's played better. But it's also because there's an actual running threat. You can't just pin your ears back and go after Kurt. Um, so for me, that's that's if I had to pick one, I would pick our offensive line against our defensive line. Because if you know, if we get one dimensional, then what we have seen as a dare I call it explosive offense the past couple of weeks, um, I think six passes of 27 yards or longer for touchdowns. I mean that's huge for Virginia. Uh, you know, if you can't if you can't run the ball, don't have the threat of running the ball then it becomes easier for him to rush you. So I, I would pick our offensive line against their defensive line. I think you're right. We, we can do more defensively, but it doesn't matter how you stop their run. You've got to stop it. So it, it's going to be a game one in the trenches. I know that's cliche and sounds a little weird if you if you come at Duke having not seen them play because you think of them more as a finesse team. Um, I thought between Miami and Duke it was equal physically, just Miami had more horses on the outside. Yeah, I mean – I think that Virginia's had such a done such a good job with a clean pocket and I mean the pass blocking even when they were having issues run blocking the pass blocking was there um for the most part. So I think this is a pretty good challenge. Uh I mean they've already played some teams that have good physical defensive linemen. Um even William and Mary's defensive line for an FCS team is is pretty decent. So I mean Indiana had a pretty good front seven um with some good linebackers. Uh, Boise State emphasizes, you know, their their front seven a lot, and and they had a good defensive tackle and Moa who had to sit out the first quarter. But, um, I mean, Duke Duke will provide a challenge, um, and they have three sacks in every game. I think uh, Brownlow said that in her piece that she did with Brad um, earlier this week. So, I mean, that I think that's what's going to be important. I mean, one of the reasons UVA has been able to play such mistake free football on offense is because. They just haven't had a ton of pressure on the quarterback to force errant throws. So um, I think that that's going to be a priority this week. And then on the other side, I think it's just going to be about putting pressure on Daniel Jones because what I did see from that Miami game and what I've seen in the past and and even with last year's matchup between these two teams is that under pressure, he looks like a different quarterback. Um, He can run and get out of that, but a lot of times you'll just see him just try to get rid of the ball. And their offense is so predicated on short, intermediate, quick throws out of the shotgun that 
if you can make him take a seven step, five step, seven step drop and on third and eight, and you can put some pressure on him, then I think that that's where you can force turnovers and, and get after him a little bit. Yeah. The thing for me <clears throat> kind of think it's funny. I, I'm, I'm going to bring this up because I think this will be really good for the podcast. And I wonder if you guys know where I'm going with this, but there was this whole discussion amongst us off the air. Was that yesterday? The day before? Ferber was start. It must have been the day before. Ferber was starting to dig into stuff for five to watch. <laughs> and he posed a very simple question to us. He said, "Do we think Daniel Jones is good?" And there were a varied amount of opinions, which we're not going to necessarily air in in uh, in specifics here. But overall, um, <laughs> there's a. Oh, I wish I could tell the people about the little hand thing that says you're ready to talk, and Ferber's already hit it because he's ready to talk. Ferber, tell me about Daniel Jones, man. What what uh, do you think? What do you think of of the young man and his ability to play the quarterback position in okay. college football? All right, I just want to preface this by saying I don't think he's bad. Um, he's not bad, but this is kind of a rant. The only reason that I even asked the question is because we are constantly told how good he is. Right? Am is it just me? Like, am I, the, am I imagining that? No, you're right. I mean, All what's funny is that it was like Daniel Jones is going to be the best quarterback in the league, and people are wearing <laughs> Daniel Jones for Heisman shirts. And I know that that's tongue-in-cheek, but, like, people think that he's, like, an elite quarterback. And I think he can make a lot of really good throws, and he has, like, a skill set that would lead you to think that he might be one. But if he was not at Duke and coached by David Cutcliffe, and, and just look at his numbers. Like, I mean, he has five touchdowns and three picks in five games. What? Like, am I missing something with this guy? <laughs> okay, what's really funny too, um, and his his is, passing yard numbers are pedestrian too. He's averaging like two hundred yards a game. What's funny too is that like on the ACC teleconference today, right? I forget who asked the question, but somebody led with, you know, he's he's obviously improving every game, and I'm like, are we are people seeing that? But what I think is interesting is that like I, I and I still believe this is that this is sort of the Cutcliffe effect, right? That. Cutcliffe is seen as a quarterback whisperer. He's seen as somebody who gets you ready. And here he has this big, strong, athletic kid who has a really good arm, who is mobile, who's put on 20 pounds, and it's expected that he's going to take a step forward. So saying he's improving um, sort of seems, I don't know, It's anticipatory. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's all potential. Now listen, that dude could come out Saturday and go, you know, 20 of 27 for 352 um, and a couple touchdowns, and we will all be like, man, man, he is pretty good. But, I mean, look, does anybody think that who's the, the best The best competition he's faced this season is Miami, right? We, we all agree about that. Um, how did he do, right? And considering the way Duke lives off of turnovers, like, I, I don't know if we have a good gauge on it. Like, I haven't seen him do what Ben Kirk's done. Um, and yeah, I mean, I even his numbers, even his numbers don't bear that out. Like, I mean, if it was right. like, well, he's putting up huge numbers, like he's not, they're not putting up a ton of points. And if you, I mean, like how many amazing, like elite throws is, can he make if he's throwing for 200 yards a game? And the thing too, is that like, I mean, maybe I'm just, I mean, I look, I think we are all somewhat biased by the games we see. Right. So I watched him in person stink up the joint. Right. And I admit, like, I didn't watch much of him the rest of the year, but I know, you know, it wasn't exactly like he, he took that, he, he came out after the, that UVA game and just blew up. Um, a part, I think it's very anticipatory. It's definitely a potential thing. And that, I, I really don't have a problem with folks expecting a talented kid to actually show it on the field. 
right? If you you got the measurables and you're, but like on some level, the, it's the it's he, it, there were several of those questions to to Cutcliffe or, or to Bronco today that just were just a, like a click past, like a click into like that there were bona fides that just weren't there. And I'm not saying the kid can't do that. I'm just saying that the bona fides aren't there yet. And so I'm not really sure why folks are crowning him. Does that make sense, Dave? Yeah, I mean, look, he's a good, very good quarterback. I mean, uh, good. I want about very good. Um, yeah, see, there he goes with the very good. Yeah, <laughs> but I think he he's very good if he's able to run the ball. Um, like, if Duke is running the ball and he's able to keep the ball some in the RPO um, and get to the throw game, see how I did that? Um, <laughs> he, uh, he, he becomes a different weapon. Like, he's not someone who's going to sit in the pocket and pick you apart. He's not that elite of a passer. But when he's running the ball well, when the team's running the ball well, and you have to respect that and you have to play man single man coverage, that's when Duke's passing game works. You know, most of their routes against Miami that were successful were slant routes when Miami was, you know, was playing man coverage to to defend the run. So I, I think it there's two ways to look at it. If you look at him as passer, I don't he's not elite at all, but you look at him as a combination runner and passer. I'd say he's good plus. I don't know about very good. Um, I'm trying to think of a UVA quarterback he's similar to. I think he's better than, say, Jamil Sewell. Um, but I don't know if he's, you know, I don't know how good he can be. Um, I think if Virginia can take, you know, stop the run, he becomes less of a, less of a threat. And, two, the, the, the thing about it is, is that because Duke does a lot of run pass option stuff, um, I think a because their offense sort of looks that way and we see a big strong kid and we know what Duke has done with running quarterbacks in the past that like our initial reaction is to sort of prepare for that you know what I mean so in a way we've already we've been kind of conditioned to give him that extra click um but I think Ferber's right like it's very fair to say this is a really a, a kid with a lot of talent um who is still putting it together um, I think if you're if you're Virginia going into this game, you want to do as much as you can, like he said earlier. Like you want to pressure the crap out of him. Like you want to bring as much as you can. Um, I think what you're going to see, I think what you're going to see is you're going to see Virginia throw a lot of the kitchen sink at the kid, and it's going to be whether or not he hits the checkdowns because he's going to have them. You know, running backs are going to block and then turn right. There's going to be safety valves everywhere. And if I'm Cutcliffe, that's that's the lesson I learned from last year: is give him as many safety valves as he can have. Um, they're also going to be – I forget who who I'm stealing this from. There's somebody – was it – I don't know if it was, was it Ahmad Hawkins or somebody was watching the game Friday night and said, you watch Duke and a lot, a lot of the stuff is literally like just a dude coming across where he – you know, like basically he doesn't have to go a lot of places to throw the ball. Um, so middle of the field I think is going to be super important. Um, and, and again, I, I don't think that I'm – I don't think I – I'm out of school, uh, you know. Step, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm making a mistake by saying that the kid doesn't have the bona fides yet. I do think he has a lot of talent, and if he has a big game Saturday, I won't be surprised. But it's certainly not an expectation thing and a thing that's going to impact, you know, how I look at where, you know, where this thing sort of stacks up. Um, what do we think Virginia has to do? Uh, we talked a lot about Duke so far, Dave. What do you feel like Virginia has to do to win this game? I mean, I think establishing a run is, is one one a. Uh, I know the passing game's been really good, like I said earlier, but you know it, it goes along with the with the running game now. Um, you know, it's, it's sticking to it even if it doesn't work early. It's you know being smart with the ball. So I think everything Virginia's done in the first even Indiana game, um, everything Virginia's done protecting the ball, 
and you know ball protection that we've seen in the first four games and and running the ball that we've seen in the last two games. I think it's that simple. Like Duke's not a world beater team. I, I think if Virginia wins or is within one in the turnover battle, it's going to be a close game. Um, but you've got to be able to run the ball. And, you know, just I, I don't want Ben Kerr to fall in love with the deep ball because he's had success with it the last couple of weeks. Um, so I don't know. It, this game's been weird for me, man. Like, I was thinking about it before we went on air. Like, it's been so long since, you know, there's been positivity around the program. And then you get a bye week like we did last year after a win. But this year there's, like, some positivity around the <laughs> around the winning streak. And so I've, I've started to dissect Virginia and I, I'm kind of downplaying what I saw the last two weeks. So, um, I'm, I'm trying, you know, trying to be as uh, positive as I can and as real as, as real as I can. But, um, I think the running game, you know, there's some, some runs in that Boise game. Yeah. You know, Boise state game, the, the big run by Alameda kind of skewed the numbers a little bit. Um, but you know, just doing that, like you've got to, you've got to be Duke in the trenches, and we've got to be better on special teams. It's going to be a close game. So when it comes to close games, you look at turnovers, special teams, running the ball, grinding the clock. Um, God, it's just I'm, that's it. It's all cliches, man. Forgive me. It's it's terrible. Hey, like cliches nothing are cliche there. Like, you because they're to... true. Like that's the thing. Yeah. Like sometimes that's just that's just the way it is. You know, you got to yeah, take one. Yeah, and this game isn't like. Yeah, I mean, this isn't like a. a no offense to Duke, who I guess theoretically could come in and whip our butt if we, we didn't do those things we're talking about. Um, they're not a team you need to go outside of what you're capable of doing to, to win. You just need to do what you do and do it well enough. Um, and that's something Virginia hasn't done in the past few seasons. Yeah, you kind of got to be who you are in a lot of ways, yeah. which which kind of fits with what uh, with what Bronco likes to say about, you know, take care of ourselves. It's completely unrelated. Because I was on the ACC call for forever because Cutcliffe goes at the end and Bronco goes at the beginning. Uh, there's a part uh, Dabo is, Dabo Sweeney is uh, is the coach who comes on after Bronco, and so I happen to be listening to him, and he made some comment in there like we don't really focus on the opponents, and he's like, well, I mean, we repair on it, but we don't really focus on them, and I had to laugh because we've talked a lot about <laughs> last year with Bronco saying like uh, we don't really have we don't really think about the other team, like we focus on ourselves or whatever, and I thought to myself today, I was like, you know, that come that that's a whole lot easier to hear from a dude who just won a national title than it. <laughs> than it is anybody else but it's it look the cliches are cliche because they're true like they 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 make sense because they fit and i i think in, in a lot of ways this is going to be a game to me that kind of tells me whether or not virginia's offensive line is for real if what we saw the past two games was some sort of aberration or some sort of um had, that if it had more to do with the competition than it had to do with what uva was doing um I think you're right. The Zacchaeus run really sort of skewed the numbers, but in general, though, you can't take them. You know, you can't you can't cut them out. Um, if they're able to run the ball well, and when we get to the prop bets portion of the show, um, Dave has got a good question here about whether or not Virginia rushes for 150 yards or under. Um, I think when I think when you when you when you look at this matchup, it's gonna. Like in order for Duke to win this game, Virginia has to struggle to, to run the ball because if they're running the ball well, that means they're also throwing it well. Because um, realistically, if they're not throwing it well, <laughs> Duke's probably got a Duke's probably got a lead um, because they they're opportunistic. Like they're they're going to set their offense up uh, if you make mistakes. And so I feel like the running game 
has been something that has seemed almost like a byproduct of the passing game the last few weeks. But I actually think it, it in a, in a chicken and egg sort of situation, the running game is the thing that's had, that has really opened it up. I mean, it's I think it's really brought those safeties down, and it really has afforded them opportunities downfield. I also think that that Kurt has been pretty sharp. Um, he hasn't been perfect, but he's been sharp, and I think his time and his rhythm has, is on point. That is one area where I'm th- I'm 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 a little curious to see how the layoff affects the team in general. Um, you know, from a health standpoint, it's always good to you know get extra rest and that thing. But there is a there is going to be an element of rust, even regardless of how you practice, even if you were doing more team stuff. I do think that the team stuff and doing the you know the good on good eleven on and basically having essentially football game practices uh, has has been a good thing for this team. They seem tougher. They seem stronger. They seem um, more apt to, to to still have fight in them late in the game, but I just wonder if that time away sort of hurts the 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 the, the rhythm a little bit. And if that's the case, what does that mean uh, for not just their confidence because we we we're very aware of where this team is coming from, but also too like what's it mean for the you know for what they're being asked to do on the field because the defense is going to have to. I think I think this is going to be a tough one for them. And I think it's funny that I, you know, just went on this whole thing about Daniel Jones, but like Duke's running back combo and what they can do with the run pass option stuff. I think their their receivers aren't great, but they're good and they seem to fit. Um, I think sometimes they get a little pass happy, and I don't know if uh, if Cutcliffe is prepared to run the ball enough to really let that running game hurt Virginia. Um, but we've seen the Cavaliers struggle with running quarterbacks in the past this season, and we know that that's a thing. Will Jones be able to be the beneficiary of some of that? I'm not sure. Ferber, what about you? What do you think Virginia has to do uh, in order to to win this game? Just play clean. I mean, you mentioned it earlier, but Duke lives off turnovers. Um, So avoiding them would be good. (laughs) Uh, I mean, they have three pick sixes this year and I think four defensive touchdowns overall. So... I mean, that's, I think it was 37 total points off turnovers. Um, so, I mean, that's significant. You know, that's, I think that's almost a quarter of their points. Um, so, I mean, it, like, like Dave said, it's kind of hard to say, like, stuff like the be, take care of the ball and run the ball and, you know, get stops on third down. But in a game like this, honestly, I don't think you have to go crazy above and beyond what you normally do to win. It's just do what you do. Um, I mean, like, I think Duke getting pressure on Benkert is going to be a big focus for them because they're going to want to force turnovers and, and make UVA, you know, play from a hole that they haven't really been in lately. I mean, if you really think about it, in their three wins, besides going down 7 nothing to Boise, and then maybe when Boise came back and cut it to 7, they weren't really tested in any of the second halves of those games. I mean... So I mean, I think that they want to put pressure on UVA to play well when the when the heat is on, um, and we still have yet to see if they can really do that. Partially, I mean, to their credit, the reason we haven't really had to see if they can do that is because they've been blowing people out. So I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but um, I think execute in the fourth quarter if it's close and just try to play clean. And the other thing for me, kind of piggybacking off of that, is uh, you know, um, sort of being. 
I look, I think for a lot of fans going to this game, being primed, we're primed to, to for those of us who, who watch this team, we're primed to see them sort of let you down, right? And so there's definitely going to be, if the if Virginia's offense struggles out of the gate, there's definitely going to be a, a collective, um, what's a good word for it? Um, lemon booty in the crowd. Lemon booty. <laughs> um, I, do, I was trying to decide whether I actually wanted to say it on the podcast. And I was like, ah, 28 minutes in, we're good. Um, so look, I, I think, it, it's it's going to be a thing if that's what happens. Um, I felt really strongly about Boise State that they were going to have a moment where like they hit the wall, things didn't work, and then you just have to see how they responded. I I keep thinking I'm I keep thinking like is that going to be a thing here? And I, I I don't know, man. Like the more I look at this game, the more I think like it's not it it might not be particularly close, and that might be just me completely being you know the recency bias, right? That. That Duke was 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 pretty rough around the edges on Friday night. Um, I, I'm not saying Virginia has Miami athleticism or speed, but I mean I, I like sort of what I've seen from this team and the way it's trending. Um, and I just didn't see enough from Duke the other night to make me think that Virginia was going to struggle. Um, and look, there's no place like home, right? Like this is going to be a, an opportunity for the Cavaliers to, you know, to to be in their comfort zone a little bit. Um, how Dave? What? Yeah, I mean, what you, I, I, I know I cut you off a minute ago, but what? Right. What's your What's your general sort of feel overall? I mean, we've been talking about like you know, my concern um, on the Virginia side. You know, as much as I, you know, I kind of applauded the fact we had six long touchdown passes in the past couple of games. Um, you know, twenty seven yards or more, but you know. Can Virginia? Can we score if we're not hitting the big ball? And that's what we haven't seen the past couple of weeks. Um, so that's concerning. You know, can can you have you know long drives enough to to beat Duke? But then you look at Duke and well, Duke's really good against the uh, the run, but they give up. You know, they're they're pretty bad against <laughs> giving up touch, passing touchdowns and big plays. So there's a lot of reasons to be confident in this game. Um, I think Duke is better than they were last year, but I think Virginia is better than they were. Virginia was good enough to beat them on the road last year, but um, it basically, you know, at the point where Duke had five turnovers to, I believe Virginia had zero or one at that point. Um, Duke ended up with six in the game, but after Duke had five interceptions, they had three different drives to try to tie the game up um, before the ultimate sack fumble from Jordan Max. So, um, yeah. These teams are very equal, I think. Um, so, so, yeah, it's for me, it's sustaining drives. It, it's the little things. Hey, I hate to beat the drum, but that's what it's going to come down to. Um, and you, you brought up, like, you know, this team, for some reason, when they get punched in the mouth, like, I think they've proven it already that they're different. They're not going to fold. Uh, they're past Virginia teams that – when Boise did what they did in that first drive last year, last week, uh, two weeks ago, whatever it's been now, um, ten days, when they did that, they would have folded. Um, and then, especially when they did the right for half, as we talked about, when we did the breakdown of that game. Um, and even in the Indiana, Indiana game, where it got a lot of hand, you know, the team came out and, and responded before ultimately not being able to do it. So I, I think this team's a little bit different as far as mentality. Um, so. I'm not too worried about them giving up the score early, but 
you know, I am worried about this game because of, not because of the game, the opponent, if that makes sense. I'm more worried about it because of what it could mean coming out of it with the win versus a loss. Hmm. <sighs> well, because I don't know how to be happy, Brad, when it comes to football. <laughs> I was going to read it. You know, like it's funny. Four I was... and one. It's <laughs> um, a big number. I was going to, I was going to say like, um, like Dave, it's almost like Dave feels all things at once. It's like he's both optimistic, but then d- deeply afraid and hand wringy. Like it, it, it's funny because like it, before game, Dave thinks Virginia's going to do like these crazy, like this crazy stuff, and numbers are and, like kids are going to put up these crazy numbers. But then like let them have some success, and Dave's instantly going the other way. Nope, gonna nope, gonna struggle. Blah blah blah. Like that is that is a tough that is a tough uh, existence that you have there, that you have there, brother. Um, all right, let's get to the actual um, picking of the games. Uh, Ferber, let's start with you. Um, not to spoil the the preview uh, for the people, but in the preseason, you had Virginia win this game 28-24. Um, how do you feel about saying the Cavaliers are, are, are going to win by four? I feel pretty good about that prediction, actually, right now. Um, I hadn't really picked a number or anything, but... I think, like Dave said, it's two evenly matched teams, two well-coached teams, um, scheme-sound teams, um, which you wouldn't really have said about Virginia's offense like three weeks ago. But um, it will be the bye is kind of a it's kind of an interesting factor um, for Virginia. Last year they played well in the first half out of the bye, but then Pittsburgh eventually kind of ran away from them. Um, I agree with what Dave said that both teams are better than they were a year ago. I think both teams will be at least in the hunt for the postseason going forward. Uh, Duke's group of opponents that they played, don't. I don't feel like they tell us everything we need to know because NC Central's, you know, a wash. And then Baylor, like, who knows where they're at mentally as a program. Um, I don't think they have a win yet. Carolina looks like an dump, absolute dumpster fire, and they barely won that game. I mean, the score makes it look like they won by a lot. Or they won by 10, but... I mean, North Carolina was driving to win the game down three with, you know, four minutes to go or whatever, so at midfield. Um, and then Miami blew them out, but Miami might just be really good. So it's tough to say. Um, I, I think that UVA will benefit from a pretty good crowd. I mean, maybe not like a big crowd in terms of numbers, but I think it'll be a loud crowd on Saturday at home. I don't know exactly where this Duke team's going to be mentally coming off that blowout loss, so... Um, it, it, it's a tough one to predict in a sense. Like, I feel like UVA is the better team, but I, I like, like you said, it's kind of like, I'm almost waiting for the other shoe to drop, um, in a sense. And I don't, I don't know if it's going to happen this week. So I'm going to stick with the UVA winning prediction and I'll go, tw- yeah, let's say 28, 24 UVA. Okay. Dave, uh, in the preseason, you had Virginia winning this 35-32. Um, <laughs> I love how you're always surprised at your own predictions. You go, hmm. Uh, how, do you, how do you feel now? I feel like if that's the case, I should take the over this week. <laughs> I mean, um, I, I've kind of rehashed it. I think Virginia wins this game. And despite everything I've said, like, I, I just have a feeling this team is different. Um, and I think Duke's the – you know, the kind of opponent that at home with a little momentum, if Virginia can get out to a lead, a couple score lead, and force Duke to get away from the run, I think with the looks we can throw at Jones, um, even with, with the injuries we have on defense, just with the 
with the different blitz looks you can get. Like so, we we discussed his passing. It's not his strength. I think if you're able to confuse him with looks because you know they've got to pass the ball, I think you force some interceptions. I I, I would be willing to bet he doesn't throw five, but you know I'm expecting a couple. Um, I think Virginia wins pretty comfortably. Uh, I'm going to go 35-24 Virginia. Um, I'm definitely taking the over in this game. It's 53, which seems low to me. Um, so, yeah. yeah I'm <laughs> he kind of said himself. So, like, so, yeah. Um, in the preseason, I had Virginia yeah. winning at 33-23. I'm inclined to stick with that. My only beef is I'm not really sure Virginia kicks uh, two field goals. Um so maybe 35-27. Look, I just I, I feel like Virginia's a better team. They can team. miss an extra point. That, God, <laughs> why did you do that? Um, they did it last year. Okay. Um, God, you're in the jinx. Um, I, I feel like Virginia's a better team here. And I feel like, um, I feel like the offenses are going to have some good moments. I feel like Virginia's defense is going to have – is going to just make more plays. I think one thing that we have not talked much about, and I think Dave sort of – hit on a little bit is the idea that like Duke is bad at big plays like they 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 get gashed um and Virginia's offense is is pretty much the perfect sort of um setup for that like like the way I look I somebody write this down but I think Robert and I is kind of in a groove right now now whether or not that lasted through the bowl week or not uh through the bye week or not was um you know we'll have to wait and see but I I feel like Virginia the offense does a good job of sort of lulling you into thinking, yep, this flare is going out here, and then all of a sudden it's just not. Um, that just seems sort of a, a good recipe for this Duke defense. Um, I guess we'll, we'll by the time you hear this podcast, let's see, it'll be tomorrow morning, so we won't have the injury report out yet. We, but we haven't talked about was the the loss of Malcolm Cook for this week. Um, you know, Virginia's going to have to get a little bit exotic um, because of of not having him out there. The depth situation is a little bit tenuous. Um, I could see Virginia really having a problem if Duke is able to sustain drives, you know, put together 10, 11 play drives if that's uh, what they, they need to do. Um, but I just, I still just think Virginia's the better team. And, and, and I feel like um, I'm not ready to say, I'm not ready to go as far as Dave did when he, when he um, yo yoed back to optimistic fan Dave uh, from hand wringing fan Dave when he said that, you know, he feels like this team is different. I'm not saying they're not different. I'm saying I just this is a, this is a big piece of uh of evidence to me. Virginia goes out wins this game it, and looks pretty confident doing it, then I'm I'm ready to to say that they this is a different Virginia team. Um as somebody who runs a website that covers Virginia sports, I'm just glad that this that it's up for debate. Um let's let's talk about these prop bets. Um let's see. All right, who's going to have more passing yards this week, Dave? Uh, Daniel Jones or Kurt Benkert? I will go Kurt Benkert, the quarterback for the UVA Wahoos. Wow. <laughs> All right. Uh, Ferber, who's going to have more passing yards this week, uh, Daniel Jones or Kurt Benkert? Well, I just want to start off by saying Daniel Jones is a hell of a quarterback. He's probably <laughs> He's the best quarterback I've ever seen, ever. <laughs> um, no, I think UVA, I mean, even if Duke wins, I think UVA will probably throw for more yards just because that's the more. Duke, Duke, like you said, they're they're predicated on, they're going to try to get 11-play drives with short passing plays and a bunch of running plays and uh, and just try to grind you down. Um, I think UVA, on a, on a good day for them, they're going to throw for a bunch of yards. And even, you know, in the Indiana game, you saw in a bad day, they threw 66 times or whatever. So 
Right. I mean, the big thing to me is is you can't take sacks and get behind schedule in the throw game. So I think Kurt Bankert will have a big game. <laughs> All right. That's two That's, throw game I, mentions. In one no, podcast. and he also Bankert snuck done. in get off schedule in there too. God. I can't wait to – I cannot wait to see what kind of nonsense you're going to throw in the preview for this week. Yes. Yeah, this is why I have to – this is why <laughs> – this is why I have to I have to I have to go through the thing with a fine tooth comb. Uh I have Ben Kirk uh here as well. I, I not necessarily because I think he's gonna have the the better game, but I do think in terms of numbers that's probably the way it's gonna um go out. All right. Uh will will Virginia uh rush for two hundred and fifty yards uh yes or no? Two hundred and fifty sorry, uh, sorry, one fifty. <laughs> wow, two hundred and fifty, that'd be great. Uh yeah. 150. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I say yes. Um I, I I think that they they're still going to find ways to get Alameda Zacchaeus involved, and that's a I think that's a that's going to be an interesting wrinkle for the for the Blue Devils to try to keep up with because I think Virginia's figured out how to use him, and now they're doing a good job of using him as a not necessarily decoy, but they're essentially there are there are times where they use him in a way that basically they want the defense to pay attention to him, uh, and and focus on him in a way that allows other guys to get open, um, but I do think that overall I, I, I like that 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 number. Uh, Ferber, what about you? They're gonna rush for 150. No, I don't. Th- I don't think so. You should. I mean, just I said think. No. I think it'll be. I think if they do, it'll be like. Uh, it'll be like the Boise State game where it'll have to be like a big play of some kind. Right. Like a big Ellis right. run or a big Zacchaeus run or something. All right, Dave. 150. Yes or no? I'm gonna go yes. Same thing. I think it's gonna be a big play to to get him yep. there. All right, the last one. Um, <laughs> Is uh, the uh, interceptions by Br- by uh, Brenton Nelson uh, this week? I'm gonna go with zero. I I don't know. It's funny because I was like, yeah, it just kind of feels like a Bryce Hall week, and I was like, wait, it's Duke. Um, but what if he what if he got like two interceptions in this game, and then it became like a whole thing that Dowdy just didn't talk, stop talking about for like weeks before the Duke game about how Bryce Hall is the is the Blue Devil killer and how uh, Tony Bennett needs to sign him up. I can totally see the future, guys. Um, but no, I don't think so this week. But I do think he's going to have uh, he's going to have to have a good game. I think for the Cavaliers because that versatility he brings uh, and his playmaking ability is 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 important. Uh, Dave, what do you think? Uh, how many how many interceptions? Uh, I'm going to go one, but but I think this should be a weekly prop bet because I think the dude's that good. He, it's kind of funny how like he he if I told you if you just watched the game and I told you he was a four star recruit. And and had offers from like half the ACC and a, and a couple of SEC schools. You would totally believe me. Like even though he's not necessarily okay. the biggest kid, he just looks like he fits. Um, talk about cliches. He just looks like a football player. You know what I'm saying? Like he just he he looks like he fits. Ferber, what about you? Interceptions by by Brenton Nelson. I'll go zero. Uh, but I do want to echo on what you just said. I think that's a big thing. I think that's a big thing with this Virginia team going forward is that fans are going to have to get their minds around like, you know, this two-star guy is outplaying this four-star guy, so he plays. And that's the way this coaching staff sees things. So, I mean, I remember when, when they came over from BYU, I was reading people saying, like BYU fans saying, like, you're going to have to get used to some of your better players getting benched um, yeah. and that sort of thing. And, I mean, here you go. I mean, you have a, a guy that walked onto the team last year starting at safety, and he's playing well, so it's not going to change. Um, but again, I mean, I don't see how you can pick Brenton Nelson to, to have an interception against Daniel Jones. I mean, Daniel Jones doesn't throw picks. <laughs> 
He's the I best quarterback. He's, of all he's, he's time. throwing for five. He's throwing for five hundred yards now. I hope you guys know that. <laughs> he totally is. We 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 really did jinx it. We apologize in advance. No, like I said, I don't think he's email. bad. I don't think he's bad. I just I, I think that it's like the hype machine gets going with certain guys, and it's like you never. You know, it's like people piling on Lamar Jackson saying he doesn't know how to read defenses and stuff. Like, do they really know? Are they really breaking down the film or are they just repeating what some guy on Twitter No, yeah, they, it's an echo chamber. They heard yeah. three people say it, so then they became the fourth. That's just the way it works. It's just like, um, you know, it's just like. It's like the throw there are certain game. Things, stop. There are certain things people pay attention to, and Cutcliffe is a quarterback whisperer, so therefore every quarterback is good. Um. So yeah, I mean, look, maybe he comes out there and he has a great game. Maybe, maybe he, maybe he doesn't, and we're all we all feel sort of vindicated. Um, I, I do think the kid has a lot of potential and a lot of talent. I just don't think the bona fides are there yet to say, hey, he's going to do this and that. Um, he certainly hasn't had as good a season as, as Ben Kirk has had, and I didn't hear anybody in the ACC call today talking about how Kurt Ben Kirk was a great quarterback. So, and I think that's a uh, very good place to put a pin in it. Um, I was wondering if we would. Uh, how how long we would go in just football? Um, so we'll we'll save the rest of that for uh, another another show. But I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the podcast. As always, thank you for listening, and and uh, obviously thank you to Dave and Ferber for giving generously of their time each and every week, so that we can bring you uh, another episode of this fine program. Um, so yeah, thanks everybody out there for uh, for giving us a listen for David Spence and Justin Ferber. I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. <laughs>